0: In the age of ancients the world was unformed, shrouded by fog. A land of grey crags, arch trees and everlasting dragons. But then there was fire, and was fire Came disparity, heat and cold, life and death, and of course, light and dark. Then from the dark they came. And found the souls of lords within the flame.
1: Welcome to Canaan and Rinse issue 76. This is the one you've been waiting for, Dark Souls. Thine ears do not deceive thee, I am not Leon Cox. I am in fact James Carter, the first of the dead. And joining me are, lying in ambush, Darren Foreman and his Daughters of Chaos.
2: If only I could be so grossly incandescent.
1: (laughs) Praise the sun for Sean O'Brien, the lord of sunlight and his faithful knights.
3: Amazing chest ahead.
1: (laughs) And our special guest from Ready Up. Heed my warning when I advise you to be wary of Liar. It's the Furtive Pygmy, Paul Rooney. (laughs) I mean, Welcome to the show. Uh, This is probably the most requested show we have had for Kane and Rince, uh, Dark Souls. Uh, We are blessed, in all honesty, to have uh, so many people on the crew and uh, the the wisdom of Paul Rooney as our guest, uh, who have all played Dark Souls at least once, if not more times. Um, just to get us uh, get us started, uh, the game came out two thousand and eleven on three sixty and PS three. Um, late two thousand eleven, right in the in the the meat of the end of year releases, October time. Um, it then came out about a year later, well a little less than a year, August time on PC uh, last year, uh, with the DLC that made the Prepare to Die edition being added to consoles later. Um, our franchise histories, what I'm going to do is start off uh, with the other member of the Kane and Rins crew who is not with us tonight, but has played the game. Uh, I'll start off with his uh, his email that, that he sent in uh, with his experiences of the game. And then we'll go into what our history with the the franchise, including Demon's Souls, is. Um, so Darren Gargett says... As a devout podcast listener, it was almost impossible not to hear about the scariest game of all time, Demon Souls. Spreadsheets, dying repeatedly, and corpse runs were spoken about with so much love, and I was intrigued. I decided to check out a speedrun of someone running past almost everything in the game, and whilst there was little to no combat involved, I respected it immensely and backed away slowly. Just having sold my PS3, I was free of its devilish charms. Phew. Jump forward to Dark Souls, and I walk out of a local... local, local Beg your pardon, try it again. Jump forward to Dark Souls, and I walk out of a local supermarket with a case of beer in my hands and a rental copy from Blockbuster. It was time to experience a Souls game for the first time with my mate, and I had a giant culture shock. I had heard once more how hard yet fair the game was, and I was going in blind and almost blind drunk. It took me a while to acclimatise the controls, the sword catching the walls as I swung in a tight corridor and realising that the block mechanic is without a doubt lifesaver. We spent about five hours learning the way of the world and managed to get past the Taurus demon. Cue rapturous applause from my drunk mate and I decided to call it a night. I took a screenshot of myself wearing a shiny bull helmet and was impressed by just how much the game hated and loved me at the same time. I proceeded onto the bell gargoyles and chickened out. I was never to return. The PC version of Dark Souls came out and I couldn't stop hearing about, hearing and thinking about the game. It had been pulled apart by folks and I felt now was the time to start again. I ended up completing it in a rather brief 40 hours and found it to be one of the most rewarding, compelling experiences this generation. The fact that it felt like the cult-hit CITV kids' show Nightmare was also a massive bonus. Bring on Dark Souls 2. I can't wait to experience the world for the first time with the rest of you.
3: I like that because it um, represents the kind of thing that happens, I think, to a lot of people who play uh, either Demon Souls or Dark Souls. And it happened with me too. Like, there's there's just a moment where it clicks. Like at first, you're you're frustrated, not sure exactly what you're even supposed to be doing, and then sometimes uh, I I did the same thing with Demon Souls. You kind of just give up and then come back to it way later, and and then it just all of a sudden something happens in your brain, and it clicks and it all just comes together and works, and you, and then you're stuck, and you play, like he said, for 40 hours at minimum, for the rest of it, and I yeah. thought that was pretty cool.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, let's run through our own, uh, experiences, how we came to the game. Um, let's start with, uh, with you, Sean, how did you hear about Dark Souls?
3: Um, I actually don't remember. It must've been when they revealed it because I, at that point had already played Demon Souls, I think about five times altogether. Um, Demon Souls is probably, I'd probably put it in my top three of all time. um, Absolutely, one of my favorite games. So you bet your ass when they came out with Dark Souls, I was I was in from the start and pre-ordered it. And over here they uh they upped every pre-order to a limited edition, so that was nice of them. Yeah, I was down day one, midnight release, all that stuff.
1: Yeah, I imagine we're gonna find we've all got sort of similar stories when it comes to this. Uh, Darren, how about you? Yeah, well I mean I was obviously a big fan of
2: Demon Souls when it came out and uh, played that a hell of a lot. Heard that they were taking the the latest one as a spiritual sequel, so that they wouldn't be stuck to the PlayStation 3 by itself. And I was really looking forward to this, you know. I remember checking out all the trailers, like the... There was an official one right before release with Bartholomew, like, playing over the top of it, by the silent comedy, and
4: basically oh, I just yeah. got it
2: up my hands and played the living shit out of it, you know. It's, uh... I'm pretty sure everyone here is going to be quite similar, because it's the kind of game that once you start playing it, I mean, you might get frustrated and stuck and that doesn't count, you know, but there's like this moment when you just start playing it and everything's working fine and you're getting smashed to bits but you love it regardless and it, it you just don't want to stop. Like, you're always finding new things underneath ledges or plunging to your death after someone stabs you in the back and it's just a really unique and fantastic experience.
5: Um, I pretty much came in <clears throat> totally madly obsessed by... Souls. Like, I just played that a ridiculous amount and at the time I just remember thinking I remember importing that original game from Japan. I think I think it was actually China, the English version. Anyway, yeah. I was like I was talking I remember I was talking at the time, I was on Skype to um Rampage one nine eight his name is Mike on Twitter. Um and I was like, not known, none of us had known what this game was all about, but it had Atlas written on it, so I bought it type thing. The minute I heard it in English, I imported it. So I was playing through it for the first hour, just going, what the hell is this? What is going on? This is complete bonkers. We hadn't played anything even remotely like it before. And then, like, after about an hour, I was like, right, this is, this is just incredible. It sunk its teeth in, you know, back then. So after playing, i must have played through that game about 20 to 30 times minimum i just couldn't stop it i just i just loved being in that world you know it was just it was an amazing experience
1: i didn't get on the demon souls train as early as you guys probably but um i guess through sort of 2010 uh but towards the end of 2010 actually probably um because we'd got the game over here in the uk um later than certainly japan but also than uh, the us it had a lot of time to build up this sort of mythos almost around it um so by the time it was released over here and then started getting a lot of sort of repeat game of the year uh, nods for various different awards um again it, it was pretty unavoidable so um i'd I'd picked up uh, Demon Souls, but I hadn't finished it by the time Dark Souls came out. But I'd played enough to know that, yeah, there was no way I was going to miss this whatsoever. Um, it It's an odd thing, actually. I was going to ask, Paul. You got the game uh, a bit before the release date in that case. Is that right?
5: Um, yeah, Dark Souls are talking here. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah just, a, just a few days.
1: So did you run into the um, Black Phantom NPCs mm. that they put in the game? To... Oh, no,
5: actually, no, I'd forgotten about that, I think. I think that was a Japanese thing, and the game had been a a few weeks earlier. Uh, Yet no, I I was... In fact, by the time I got it, I think it was over there in the States by a day, so...
1: Yeah, yeah, Japan got it. I think a couple of weeks earlier, and then the I think the mm. US got it three days earlier than us. So okay, I yeah, about it, that. It, it's worth saying that um, there were some stores in Japan breaking Street Day on the game, and if you went on, obviously the game it doesn't have to be played online, but most people would be playing it online, um, and uh, the developers had sent in some Max Stats Black Phantom NPCs to invade um, the games of anyone who was online and just decimate them, uh just to play with them and just troll them and that's sort of a fairly decent representation of how the, the developers treat the, the players. Um f- fair but harsh, I suppose <laughs> that's the way. Um my my first impression when I um I put Dark Souls in, obviously having seen but not finished Demon's Souls, was actually how bad the game looked. And I'm gonna have to qualify this because just yesterday, in fact, I found out what how much of an idiot I am um, because I put it in and it has a very soft look to it. It's not a terribly crisp looking game, if that makes sense. Not in the way that we've kind of become accustomed to in this generation of console games with HD graphics being, you know, super sharp edges, super crisp, super focused, um. It's got a very hazy look to it and an unfocused sort of look, especially when you're looking in middle distances in the game. Um, it kind of has a heat haze over everything, which is absolutely intentional. It's completely intentional. It's a design choice, and it kind of blurs the lines between what you're going to be able to go to in the game um, and what you're not. But the thing that really stood out for me was um, the um, the HUD is very similar to what you see on Demon Souls uh, in Dark Souls. But there's a couple of aspects of it, particularly the humanity counter, that looks like something someone's done badly in Photoshop and put on there. It really stood out to me, and I think it's almost solely responsible for my thinking the game looked worse than Demon's Souls. Because, sure enough, I went back to Demon's Souls yesterday, and Dark Souls is head and shoulders a, a more attractive game to play through. Um, how about you guys? What were your first thoughts when you when you booted up Dark Souls versus your expectations and versus Demon Souls?
5: You're talking gra- graphically or
1: kind of yeah, aesthetic? mainly graphically. But um, I think, from my point of view, it's much more the art than the the graphics that are important when it comes to to Dark Souls.
5: I think visually, I was just totally concerned with the aesthetics of the world. You know, oh. it just it didn't look like any other game I'd played. I do remember it looking. I remember I was going to ask you what aspects did you think um, make it look better, make Dark Souls look better. One. One I thought was lighting. Back when I was playing Demon's mm. Souls, I remember the lighting would hit off of bricks and stuff and it would emit this kind of weird, kind of glossy, ambery, kind of golden glow. It was very kind of Unreal Engine, very quite, quite kind of plasticky looking.
2: Mm. Everything was... had been varnished.
5: Yeah, but yeah, it looked like everything had been covered in Vaseline, you
4: know. Yeah.
2: <laughs>
5: but I, I, I got so used to that now that that had become the norm, that had become part of the Demon Souls aesthetic the old yeah. engine, you know, it was kind of creaking. in. I guess you've got to remember back then, Demon Souls came out of nowhere, you know, like, mm-hmm. um, it's hard to imagine anyone throwing a budget at that game, you know, yeah. Um, yeah. and expect it to look fantastic, because Sony even really remotely interested in, in releasing it outside of Japan. Mm-hmm. It was very much a niche game, so I think, in those regards, it, graphically, it looks good, but, um, Sorry, talking. I'm talking first Game, yeah. I thought it looked good. Second game, I found the lighting was much better, and um, there seemed to be slightly more atmospheric effects. And as you're saying, that mm-hmm. the hazing in the middle distance kind of kind of made it feel made the world feel bigger than it is by slightly obscuring things. Yeah, and mm-hmm. Graphically, I think it, it looks above average, but but certainly nothing um yeah. special It is as the design of the world and the, the level design and how things are placed that that make me think of it as a visual experience over that, a graphical there,
3: there are also kind of like um signs of the times in terms of development like back back when demons souls came out like a lot of games were coming out looking with that vaseline kind of coating to everything like gears was a big the whole game was wet and gross and then kind of when Dark Souls came out, a lot of a lot of games like you are talking about the lighting being improved, like a lot of games were kind of um, incorporating the god ray effect that is always coming through the sky in Dark Souls.
2: Yeah, I will say that there is a certain amount to. well I do think that Dark Souls does look better as a whole um, it is very dependent on the environment because like, Undead Burg looks fantastic and like, the hidden areas like Ash Lake are just beautiful. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. But then you come across Lost Isleth, and the frame rate takes a massive plunge. Mm. You're looking clean up dinosaur asses, <laughs> and it's <laughs> a, just a big brown muck throughout, you know.
3: Yeah. yeah, same with Blighttown too. It's just a big mess of a area.
2: It, yeah, I mean, I quite like the design of Blighttown. It's a lot like the um, the plague village and the Demon Souls of
5: Valley of Defilement.
2: Um, You know, I quite like the design of it, but the problem is if you go down on the 360 or the PS3 version, the frame rate cuts itself in half. You know, it just looks really ugly and chunky.
1: Yeah, it's interesting. I think um, the thing that impresses me, uh, the art is absolutely fantastic, but the thing that impresses me most about this in terms of what they've managed to do with the way the game looks is the game is entirely open world. There There are... sections that are cut off to you until you've progressed certain uh, so far through the game but even then there are always long way round, long ways round to get to wherever you need to go and by the time you've unlocked everywhere you can go from the absolute um <coughs> literally the bed of chaos at the bottom of the world all the way up to an orlando and the duke's archives at the top and never see a loading screen assuming you're adept enough not to die on the way um and even games that otherwise say they are open worlds, obviously thinking about something like Skyrim, when you go inside, you see loading screens. There's no two ways about it. And okay, that's to do with how smart uh, From Software have been about designing the world and, and being clever about it and probably hiding a bit of the loading to a certain extent. Mm-hmm. But nonetheless, I think for a game to look this you know, impressive, and okay, that might be down to art more than graphics, but to do it all whilst certainly on the PC, not having any technical you know, problems really, um, and and just allowing you to, to roam the world without ever feeling like you're being impeded by loading or, or you know slowdown or anything is, is really actually quite something. Absolutely,
5: yeah. that's, a, that's the kind of trade-off that I would take any day, you know, I would yeah, happily yeah. forgo loading screens in order for just above average looking game, you know, just forgo that last you know, hmm. passive extra polish in the graphics. Yeah.
1: I mean, there are other telltale signs, like the um, the animations for your character. Often your feet are sort of a couple of inches under the, under the ground. Yeah, clipping a little um, bit. Yeah, clipping a little bit and just not, again, as as you just said, Paul, stuff that you would probably iron out on a couple of extra months of development time with the the budget to do it. But in all honesty, it, it it's noticeable, especially when you start the game, but it really didn't bother me at all throughout the experience. Um far more concerned was I with um the atmosphere and and in terms of the combat and the mechanics of it, understanding how those worked and knowing that those were going to be robust enough that I could rely on them in, you know, moments of panic or need. We we often leave this to the the end of the um the end of the show, but what I wanted to do now because I think it fits in nicely with the way the game looks is talk about the music. Because it sets the atmosphere. We've mentioned atmosphere a few times already. It sets the atmosphere really, really uh, well. I um,
5: um I, I often find when I was playing Dark Souls that as I progressed through the game, certain things would happen um, narratively, um, and you would always kind of return to Firelink, right? That is your kind of hub, and when that haunt, really haunting, somber music would kick in. The narrative and the events that had transpired just immediately prior to you uh, coming back, they would inform how the music would feel. For example, um, when the, the firelink, when Wartrick uh, does in the firelink, the, the firekeeper, sorry, yeah. Anastasia. Um, that's a really horrible th- because it just the minute you click on it, it just comes up and the. Wee, you menu at the bottom. She is dead. That's it. You know, no there's, there's, there's No fanfare. There's in fact, I,
2: I think it's even more bleak than that. Is it not just dead? But it's Yeah, it is. Yeah,
5: absolutely. Yeah. yeah, you're absolutely right. And it's totally. it's just so blunt and, and to the point and <laughs> no nonsense. Anything. And you think, I did not expect that to happen. And then when that haunting score had kicked in, that those events had informed the music and how I was experiencing it so then let that music affect you in a different way and there was different elements that happened throughout the game that did something similar you know so the music was almost you know
2: yeah I mean there's one directly following that where you just go upstairs and then there's no fucking fire there anymore you know you've not got a safe point yeah. in your basin uh, yeah. for a good chunk of the game
5: and the safe yeah. music's really stunning as well I, I, I like it um, the, the boss music's like wonderfully dynamic and really energetic stuff like that. But I really love
3: the it. yeah, the title menu music.
5: Yeah, absolutely. The,
3: the character loading
5: music. Yeah, it's, it's just it's straight out of Resident
1: Evil. Um, When you go into a, a boss fight, I think what makes the music so impactful is the fact that for the majority of the game, outside of key moments like going to Firelink Shrine or or going into a boss fight, the game is almost entirely devoid of music and what it means is you get used to listening out for everything that's going on around you and you get used to the absence of of any sort of setting of uh, tone music as it were I suppose um, and then the moment you go through the fog into a boss fight that music ramps up and, and whatever the particular music for the boss it really sort of G's you up for the fight that you're going into and sets a tone for who this boss is and and what the fight means to you as your character and to them as the boss um and it really means that for me some of the boss music actually s- uh, stood out particularly something like the the music that's playing really somber in the background during the sif fight um when you, when you've played through the game a little bit and realize who sif is and why he's there and you know what that fight uh represents especially depending upon the order you play through the game in and, and the, the DLC. It yeah, it, it really affected the the whole tone of the fight and what I took away from it. Should say now <coughs> we've uh, touched on a little bit of uh, sort of spoiler territory there. Um, we're from here on in we're going into some uh, probably pretty heavy lore, and we should say, um, I mean, Dark Souls is a game about story, and it isn't. You, you could go through and can go through the game and not get much from the story, but besides sort of the the basics and what you heard at the beginning of this episode, as as the sort of voiceover at the beginning. Um, But there are some important beats that it's important to sort of realise on your own. So um, when we tuck into the lore, we are not going to be holding back on any spoilers. Um, Some of it will be speculation of what particular characters are doing and what particular aspects of the story mean but we are going to go into uh, all of it uh, we'll avoid demon souls as much as possible because uh, this is obviously supposed to be about dark souls but uh, the dlc and um, various things you won't necessarily find out until your second or third playthrough um, we're going to be going into as well so uh, if you're in any doubt uh, press pause go away play through the 70 or 80 hours or so it will take you to catch up and then come back um in fact, the, do it twice, <laughs> do it twice, yeah, at least twice. Um, yeah. So the the main story, I mean, the intro at the beginning that I alluded to in our introductions, and listeners will have heard, tells you the setup for the world, how you how the world uh, of Lordran got to where it is at the start of the game, and that's kind of it. It it doesn't go much into story. I mean, we we know that uh, so there was an above and a below essentially a, a you know what became humanity and what became the various npcs that you meet were all uh, dark beings in the shadow below what meanwhile up above uh, there was this unchanging immortal world filled with uh, dragons and nothing much happened and then at some point fire came into the world and um and that that brought a change it brought imbalance in the world uh, and it brought the dark beings from below up to the surface to try and uh, take on the dragons uh, with with the four lords uh, as as the leaders and or well, three technically because the pygmy didn't get involved but um that's kind of all you have to go on and there's lots of threads of story throughout after that but it's surprising just how little story is actually afforded the player directly
5: Right at the beginning, you're introduced to Gwyn, the, the kind of main antagonist. Um, you're also introduced to the witch. These were all the, the kind of primordial beings, right? Um, yeah. The lords at the beginning. So there was, as you said, all in all, there was four souls in the fire, three of which were found by the by the lords. The fourth was the Furt of Pygmy, i.e. humanity, right? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. This is... Feel free to correct me because I'm I'm yeah, I'm, no, not, no, I'm no, not, no. not very good with narrative, um, but then again that is Dark Souls, so uh, <laughs> yeah. You have Gwyn, who is the main antagonist. The Witch of Azulth, which is an area yep. that we'll come to later on, and the third one I've just forgotten. So <laughs> someone's going to have to remind
1: me. Yeah, Nito. Yeah, All um, grey vlogs, Nito.
5: Yeah, who is yeah, the, so. the main? He represents death. And if you if, if you think about Dark Souls as being a kind of Almost again like a kind of Japanese take on on kind of Greek mythology,
4: yeah.
5: that kind of sets. I think to me that sets the tone
1: uh, nicely. Yeah, absolutely. So the four, basically, f- fire arrives through means unknown. Uh, all we know is that fire comes from souls, but we don't know how the souls got there in the first place. Um, and and these four uh, beings uh, found found the Lord souls in the fire, and that gave them untold power. Um, power to be able to um, marshal the dark beings underground up above and to be able to challenge the everlasting immortal dragons that were on the surface. Um, And the four souls are actually different. So Nito's represents death, uh, the Witch of Izalith's soul represents life, um, Gwyn's soul represents light uh, and the Furtive Pygmy's soul represents dark. and the Furtive Pygmy stays underground and keeps his soul, which is, is very small and not very powerful. He keeps that a secret. And from the Furtive Pygmy, mankind is born. Um, the other three, Nito, Gwyn, and the Witch of Izalith, um, go to the surface to take on uh, the Everlasting Dragons uh, in what is essentially a hopeless battle. As powerful as they are, and the armies that they're, disp- uh, they're um under their control, uh, still can't defeat the dragons until Seath, who is a scaleless dragon who is jealous of his um, fellow dragons uh, for their stone scales, reveals to Gwyn how he can defeat the dragons uh, and betrays Seath betrays his own kind, um, which essentially brings about an end to the everlasting dragons and brings about what the game calls an age of fire um which is when gwyn is is using the soul his soul uh, of light to to spread light and fire around the world um and and the lords become essentially gods um and the the game starts with so from that what happens is the the pygmy splits his soul unknown to the other three lords you can see why this is getting confusing already can't you um, the pygmy splits his dark <coughs> excuse me his um dark soul uh, amongst uh sort of other dark beings and and creates humanity so the the in essence the dark soul refers to um the soul that splits amongst all the various um beings that that become humanity um and and they worship the other lords as as gods um, for around about a thousand years seems to be from most timelines suggest that's the case but the the souls that um, the, the other three lords took um, and Gwyn is now using to stoke the fires that keep him in power essentially are starting to fade and your player is challenged with going and and essentially taking down Gwyn although you don't necessarily know that's what you're going to be doing for a large part of the game um and that's sort of where you start from. Your character is dead. Um, you can collect souls which are essentially the currency of the game um from characters you kill and you can find them lying around um and make yourself more powerful to the point where you can challenge these great lords of, of myth and legend.
5: You find out right at the beginning, don't you, that from Oscar. Is it that there's a prophecy of the undead who will basically rise to prominence? and travel to Lordran, and basically, yeah, take a kill one, essentially, end the age of fire, and start the age of man, the age of darkness, and you start in the undead asylum, and the prophecy says, you, the chosen, you are the chosen undead, and because times are all complicated, there are multiple undead people there, who have gone hollow, and I think they put forward that, like, me and you guys are all instances of the same kind of world, but just in different timelines or different realities or something like that. That's kind of obtuse. I think that's kind of difficult for me to get my head around. But you essentially, it's prophesied that you are tasked with the challenge of leaving the, the undead asylum by taking on your the, the, the first boss pretty much just when you first started the game and, and to then take over the one
1: yeah yeah and it's it's quite a strange situation to be in where you are you're going to take down um this god on behalf of mankind um but essentially what that means is plunging the world into an age of darkness uh, and in order for mankind to essentially be the victors in this the world is going to be plunged into this abyss of darkness where uh mankind itself will be twisted away from its its current nature and and you know the world will be essentially overrun with all sorts of uh, terrible creatures it's um it's a really odd position to be in and it's part of what means that sort of neither ending of the game is is a good ending or a bad ending they they're both kind of just they're the endings they're the choice you have to make but neither of them is particularly necessarily preferable to the other um as, excuse me Um. As, as far as the story goes it's amazing it, it took me all day today going through various websites and videos and everything to try and piece together how much of the lore is actually known and how much is speculated Um. Paul you had what I think is a pretty great idea which is rather than trying to piece together all of the lore if we each just uh, choose maybe a character and discuss who they are and what they represent in the game, we might actually get a lot more of the story sort of brought out in that way rather than trying to work through in any sort of chronology Yeah, um, I think that's,
5: what, I think what's think that's going why, it's on. because that's how the game does it, right? I mean, they, they do tell the story through the character and there, there's no narrative, there's no voiceover there, there is a narrative obviously, there's no kind of voiceover, you are not you're not told expressly what's going on you are alluded to Aspects, you know, of the world and through characters and, and specifically through item descriptions as well, which let like, you piece together your own kind of thing. But certainly, you do cut, you, you can, I'm a fan of trying to understand what you can, what you can see and, and put your hand on, you know, what you experience. And, and we do experience these with, um, NPCs and boss characters, you know, and I do think that importantly, once we understand their stories, we can start to explore possibilities, but based on a a fundamental uh, knowledge of what actually did transpire. If that yeah. makes
1: any sense. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It, it it absolutely does. Um. So I I guess. We'll go through and obviously think about is—is is there any character in particular? Um, let's start with you, Sean. Is there any character in particular that struck you throughout the game as being one that you were really interested in? You might like to uh, to talk about. Um,
3: it's kind of hard. They're all fascinating characters, yeah. but yeah. uh, just the first one that comes off for me that's impressive. But you barely know anything about him. Is uh, Iron mm Um. Mm-hmm you find at the top of Sense Fortress right before you go into the uh, Iron Golem fight, and there's there's almost yeah. like nothing to know about him. Uh, I'm pretty sure there's no uh, rings or, or items that you can really find other than his armor later on.
1: <clears throat> his armor, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. All, not too too much further on. Um, so the the interesting thing I think to start off with is Iron Tarkas, you could feasibly miss him altogether. Because you have to go past the um, the fog that separates you from the next boss in order to find his summon sign so that you can summon him into your world. Um, we should probably explain that. In order to summon characters, be they other players or be they uh, NPCs in the game, in you have to be human. So you, you basically spend humanity to keep yourself from going hollow. Um, You put yourself into human form, and if you explore a little bit, which is one of the the main ideas behind the Iron Golem boss fight in Sense Fortress, um, is is to ask you to explore and to prepare for that fight. Um, If you look around, just past over a little bridge, there is a room that is separate there, and the sole reason for that room being there is to call in Iron Iron Tarkas into the fight, and he makes it so much easier, that fight, um he's an incredibly strong uh, NPC to call in. Um And he's got the thing. coolest name in the game. <laughs> he does have. Black Iron Tarkus, yeah, absolutely.
5: You know, bested that area. So and he is he is from an area, isn't he? He's is, he is part of a part yeah. of a of a group of soldiers or whatever from a certain realm, a certain area.
2: And apparently he was quite he was quite mesmerised by a painting once he got there as well.
1: Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's worth saying, um, when, when you get into Anor Londo, the first broken window you'll see, and you can't miss it because you have to go through it, um, leads you into a large hall with painting guardians in there and a really big painting that becomes much more important later. Uh, and right next to that painting is his set of armour uh, being guarded over by a um, painting guardian. The implication being either that he was defeated by the painting guardians or fell from the rafters that you have to traverse uh, and sadly fell to his his ultimate doom there and left his armour behind but
5: He got that far and couldn't traverse the painting I think, I think he understood the importance of the painting, that his journey had stopped there because obviously he didn't have the item that was needed to traverse the painting so I think he'd explored that in Orlando got as far as he could, realised that he needed to get to the, the painting world, couldn't then figure it out and then maybe sat and just died in the corner.
2: The most uh, interesting part about that is that it's if you ever go and help someone to the point where they've done everything that they can do, they go hollow and attack you. They just pop up somewhere mm-hmm. else in the game. Sigmar doesn't. He's one of the few guys that actually dies.
5: Oh, I just mean you're, you're trying to help him, but in, in helping him you, you essentially... You ruin him. Yeah, you, yeah, yeah, yeah. you, you remove <laughs> his reason for being and then he does kind of turn hollow, you know, he does go mad and he's killed uh, by his uh, daughter.
2: Sigmar does not though. Sigmar is actually like a corpse at the bottom of uh, Ash Lake. Yeah,
1: doesn't, it was Sigmar who killed him, right. The the implication is either he died in battle uh, on yes, Ash Lake maybe. or Siglind, or or his daughter, Sieglind, his daughter right. caught up with him because she, she directly says that she has had to kill him before when mm-hmm. he went hollow. In order to reset him back to just being undead, right. and he seems to be on this cycle where um, he has this really strong sense of adventure. And throughout the game, it's it's really interesting because you meet up with him, and every time he's he's stymied, he's stuck, <laughs> be it outside Sen's fortress, or be it the boulders in Sen's fortress he can't get past, or uh, in Anor Londo he's stuck outside a room with three silver knights in it, three maybe four, actually, um, and, and he can't get through the room, and always, he is he's kind of stuck. And, and he's really happy about it, usually.
5: Stigma <laughs> yeah. uh, would be my character
1: to tell the story of. Did we all complete his, his story? No, um, I
3: didn't. I, I, I um, had him... Uh, and actually, it, it ends up being I think a better ending, or at least a good ending for him, for me, <laughs> was where we... um. It's in... What is it? Lost Isleth? Is that where it is? Where he can... He jumps yeah, on and he says he's yeah. going to protect you. And uh, for me, when I, when I did that, he died during that section. So that's a good, good effort.
1: for him. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's kind of better for him because he's he's undead, so he will come back to life, you know, as you would. Mm-hmm. Um, at the last bonfire he rested at, I suppose. Um, but, but yeah, that's that's kind of the point is he still has his will to, to do that and he dies believing he's helped you. Right, yeah, um, exactly, yeah. I think the first point of which <coughs> excuse me, the first point at which you might lose his his quest is so you see him outside Sen's fortress um the first uh, target in the game is to to ring two bells of awakening which essentially will awaken a giant above Sen's fortress to open the the gate and let you progress further into the game um. <laughs> And he is sat outside unable to progress until you have rung both bells and then he can go inside. But actually the second point at which you see him in, in Sen's Fortress is pretty tough to find. Um, he He's down next to where the boulders are but he's tucked away. Pretty difficult to find. And you have to go down there and speak to him and he's, sort of, he's sat there looking very dejected. Almost like a... I, I picture him as a child sat on a swing with no one to push him. <laughs> he's sat there sort of swinging his legs over the edge and he's Clearly, very sort of depressed, but um, just sitting there saying, No, oh, I'm. I think he actually says, I can't, Is it. Oh, it's. I can't remember the word he uses, but he basically says, I'm a bit too podgy to make it past those boulders. Mm. Too plump. Too plump, that's the word, <laughs> exactly. I met him outside Sense Fortress and I happened to fall off down to where he was uh, for the second time I met him. The only part I had to look up was where to go and find him at the end because. Uh, I happened to run into him down in Blighttown's another point at which you have to go sort of backwards through the areas you've been to to find him down in Blighttown. Um I happened to be going to the Great Hollow and met up with him. But I actually sort of, by chance, uh, got all the way through his story, but I didn't know where to go to find him at the end, so I ended up looking that up because I thought, I I can't not see this story through because by that point I'd met Sieglind. I'm not sure if she's alive, but she's certainly... Um, She's come over to deliver uh, her mother and his wife's last dying words um, to her father. Um, As you said, Paul, he's he's got a spirit of adventure that means that actually he nigh on abandoned his family, although I'm sure he wouldn't have seen it like that. Um, He was undead and he wanted to go and become the chosen undead, is is my reading of it. Um, And so he went out on this adventure. And as it it turns out, either his wife was already dying or, or was dying since and his daughter came out to find him who you know she she's risking her own life to do so um to to just pass on her, her mother's last words which is incredibly touching especially when you realize that she she knows who her father is and what he is and that he is a little bit inept but she she still she still loves him enough to come and and find him and and essentially to to kill him when he goes hollow and and she's kind of admitted to herself what he is and and what what her role in in his undead life is um no he's he's a i think he's a fantastic uh character um a, a nice counterpoint to your character um b- because the, the way i put it you have to have a certain amount of sort of daring caution uh, he's he's too cautious, and you're you have to be a bit more brash than he is to to make it through the game, um, and and he's got a, a he, he's not as uh, laid back or or reticent as say the crestfallen warrior who is just sat in sat um, at Firelink Shrine just refusing to do anything at all, um, in in the hope that that means he won't go hollow, um, but sigmeyer does he, he's He's got this great sense of adventure and he's always so happy. Uh, and in this game, finding a character that is nice to talk to is is not the easiest thing in the world.
2: Here's a quick aside. Has anyone ever explored the well in the, in the starting area?
1: The the well that you and, find... Fa-
2: Fairlink Shrine right beside the bonfire. It's
1: got yeah, there's a, there's a body.
2: Yeah, but have you actually explored down it?
3: No. I had no idea no. you could even go down there. Well, you're it's you're a very jump tricky on. jump.
2: And huh. then you die instantly the second you get down. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> I was still, well proud of myself. <laughs> Speaking about that guy that's hanging over the well, one of my very favourite uh, signs was down there, you know, like the yeah. quotes that you can put down?
1: Yeah. And it read, Amazing ring ahead. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, <dear. laughs> yeah, we should say the messages that you can leave on the ground for other players... Uh, yeah. um, Oftentimes they will be to help you. Sometimes they'll be to mislead you. Um, and sometimes they will be people using... It's a quite restricted uh, messaging system. You can just string together various uh, phrases or parts of phrases. Um, and they are sort of keywords you can use. Um, and and you can string them together in some uh, inventive ways. When I um, I was wrapping up my game, I went around and I killed a couple of the Fire Keepers to get their souls and upgrade my SS Flask a bit more. Because uh, what's a bit of murder if it means you get a, a slightly more powerful essence flask? Um, and I went down and, and um, to my shame, because I know her story. Uh, killed the fair lady down in the uh, daughters of, of uh, chaos um, bonfire, and behind her is a cavern where the the spider part of her would have been, and a message in there reading monster. You <laughs> <That's good. laughs> crushed me. <laughs> come back to some of our memorable moments for the, uh, later on but i think in terms of lore um as far as gameplay goes it's kind of equally as obscure as the narrative particularly a couple of aspects of it ostensibly the game is an rpg i guess if you were it, it's similar to western rpgs you could say it's similar to elder scrolls but it's not really but how would we describe the gameplay of Dark Souls?
3: Well, at the, at the very base, yeah, it's a third-person action RPG, right? It's it's cameras right above, and you're you're using your shield and swords and spells and fire spells and all that kind of stuff. Um, it's a lot more. Um, I don't know for me it it just it, it ruins all other third person RPGs like it's just, <laughs> it, it's very uh oh, what's the word I want to say like it's just tight like all the gameplay is real tight and and real um every time that you get hit you 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 never feel uh cheated like it, you always feel like something you did was wrong you didn't hit your shield up early enough or you didn't dodge roll well out of the way in time
2: Aside from the better chaos in there, right?
3: <laughs>
2: that thing is just an asshole yeah. through and through. <laughs> well, I, I, th-
1: there's there's basically no way not to get hit in that fight. It's just a case of put put get your stamina up and um and stick a shield up in front of you and just barrel on through. I guess.
2: Yeah, there are slight tricks that you can can uh, take advantage of, but first time you go in there, you're probably just going to get slapped yep. about.
1: Like <laughs> yeah. Um, Yeah, I actually found that the time that I defeated, which I think was only my second time of asking, um, first time I rolled off down the pit in the middle. Yeah. (laughs) Because why wouldn't I? Um, But the the second time I actually stuck to the very walls and uh, the physical um, swipes of of the branches didn't actually connect with me. If if you get into those little alcoves, you can get out of the way of the attacks.
2: I mean, the strange thing about that fight is that I did it like either the first or second time, and, like, I heard mm-hmm. everyone complaining about it, and I was like, ah, it's piss easy, you know, like, uh, I don't see what the deal is. And then, like, on my new game, I think I got killed 15 times in a row at the Bastard.
4: Mm-hmm. <laughs>
2: and there's no bonfire right outside, so you've got to run yeah. all the way back, and then you get slapped down in seconds and run all the way back. <laughs>
1: oh, that must have changed. Well, there, there
3: is one relatively close to it, but you, you end up most oh of the time no
1: no crying. no! You're no. I, I I tell you what I'm thinking of, which is, um, when I died, I went back in because the the bonfire is um. Down in the the lava pits of Lost mm-hmm. Isleth, isn't yeah. it? There is
2: actually two that you can take advantage of because there's a shortcut. Yeah. Um, leaving, yes. Yeah, 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 from Fire past Link. one of the demon statues. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's what I do all the time because that skips a big chunk of Lost left saves another carder and you don't have to worry about the frame rate just getting shit, you know? <laughs> yeah. But at the same time, you've got to, even using that, you've still got to run for about a minute and a half, two minutes at yeah. full pelt to get back.
1: Yeah, I, I think the interesting thing was that um, when I died, <coughs> so um, this the quirk of this boss fight is that, um, unlike any other boss fight in the game, you do actually have to attack the big glowing orbs. Um, there aren't any bosses like that. It's a bit like the Dragon God fight in... Um, in Demon's Souls, in that you're not actually fighting the boss. You're just working out how to take it down from its surroundings, almost. Um, and uh, so you go in and there's a, a dome, a bright orange dome on on each side, and you have to go in there and attack the, the small um, grub that's lying at the bottom of it, um, basically. Um, but actually, if you die and you go back in, certainly by the time it was on PC, um, it saves the the so the three stage fight it saves whichever stage you're at, um, so you don't have to redo that part of the boss fight, which is unusual again because usually you're set right back to wherever the beginning is of the boss fight. Um, but when I died rolling down the hole in the middle and missing the branch you're supposed to land on, I went back in and and the two domes were already down and the hole was opened up, so it was just a case of running in and dodging the the branches and getting into that hole again.
5: I think that fight is one of two moments that I can think of what have happened in the whole game that, for me, were just on the wrong end of, of difficult. I think they were quite obtuse. They buried the, yeah. the bed of chaos.
2: That fight almost feels experimental to me.
5: Yeah, it feels yeah. like it was in the in the, the development stages, you know, it felt like it was unfinished in concept. It felt messy. It just didn't feel in keeping the previous boss yeah. fights. It seemed to break no, its no own rules, much, yeah. you know, and it was yeah. just messy. Um, I hated it. I actually, I remember fifteen times down you said, "Jesus, double it," and then some, and that was me the first mm-hmm. time doing it. I just could not. Cause I would built a certain character that was had no poise. You know, I was all about right. uh, being quite agile. You know, so I hadn't mm-hmm. accrued all the kind of Havells armor and stuff like that. So yeah. um, I, I just I was completely ill-equipped to deal with that boss because one hit me with the hands and it would just fire me down the hole instantly. Um, Mm. Which I guess was, again, and there was no real FAQs at the time because, again, as I was saying, it was just when it was first released in English so there was not a lot of information out. Um, I hated it and the other moment I was thinking of was back in Anna Longo with the two archers Oh, god
3: damn it.
2: That's a big (laughs) sticker from (laughs) the one worst.
5: Yeah. (laughs) Ah, See, that is awful. I mean, that is, I'm a big proponent of Dark Souls' approach to pretty much everything when it comes to uh, somewhat evasive narrative and, you know, not explaining game mechanics and and the combat not being explained pretty much at all. I I think you are afforded enough, you're, you're, you're given enough credit that you're an intelligent person, you can figure this stuff out. You can experiment, you can die, you can try again.
2: The big problem with these two uh, exact bits that you're talking about is that they're very binary in nature, you know? And usually there's absolutely nothing between the bonfire that you get uh, resurrected at and the actual incident where you're probably going to get killed. Yeah. <laughs> Generally, they tend to be instant kills, both uh, mm-hmm. featuring very long drops. You're, you're, you're
1: doing fine until you're dead and it's literally just... Yeah, yes, I mean, it just seems to come out of unit. nowhere
2: and then the, the run back is always just that little bit too long.
5: It is, it is far too long. And it, it, This must have been before when I was playing it, it was before any patches or whatever because the game on the whole was much more difficult. I think they made some, some general changes to it back then and even now it's still Awful.
2: The interesting yeah, thing okay. is that the guy is completely unrepentant about those, uh, I like the design team, they're completely unrepentant about that section. <laughs> mm. For some reason they wanted uh, <laughs> certain bits that they knew would just anger the living shit out of anyone that played it. I,
5: I, I get that, and I, I do agree with it to an extent.
2: <laughs> basically, to, I, basically to have them as talking points, you know? Um, just like, how the f*** did you get past those bastards in Anor Londo? It's just, you've got these massive knights on these really narrow walkways, and as you're saying, it just looks strange, you know? Yeah. If it was just you, it would be okay.
1: I think the other thing is that by that point, you've kind of realised that you can probably Mm. take a hit from a bow as long as you've got your shield up. But that's the first time (laughs) you see the Dragon Slayer Great Bow, and my word, those things are not arrows coming (laughs) at you, those are spears they are firing out of those bows. Um, I've heard people say... uh, hoist arrows for sense fortress and for Analo- Anor Londo are pretty... Well, the other thing is there's an invisibility
2: um, spell that will allow you to get pretty much just clean bastard.
1: Oh, I didn't know that
5: worked. But see the bit you're talking about when you were firing arrows up? Like, when you're seeing those javelins coming at you and sticking <laughs> on the wall it, that weird pop-up it, it, just that whole area like, the whole point of Analondo, the aesthetic of Analondo is that it was have made for kind of giants, essentially. So you're walking down these pathways that are just way too wide gates are far too big for you you're meant to feel out of place and be little but you're in the place of the god and it's super shiny, you know, super well kept kind of celebration of of deities essentially, you know, it's palatial and the marble is polished to and sheen and stuff like that but at that point, you're, you're kind of going up the sideway and, and you know they, those two archer guys, they're just far too big for that area, it feels as if you're Glitched out of the game somehow, and you're just exploring an area of the of the environment that you're not meant to be in. It just it it ruins it, it ruined it completely for me. It just felt like I was nowhere.
1: You very much feel like you're a bug crawling up the wall of this yeah. massive massive city. Um, but I, I guess the way I I described Anor Orlando when I first got there was, despite the fact that it is clearly the the place that is in the best state of repair in the whole game you've experienced so far, it felt lifeless because it feels quite empty and preserved. And actually you've kind of just summed it up really well, I think, Paul, because what you feel like is if you walk into this giant, imagine walking into a giant cathedral that you just feel dwarfed by. There's no reason for the cathedral to have that higher roof or to be that big, but it is because it's grand and because it's making a statement and you just, feel you know compared to any room you would normally be in um just minute and small and it makes it seem far too big that's the whole experience of Orlando and um to go from walking down these uh or up these giant uh staircases um which have the really nice touch of having small steps on the outside and really big steps in the middle showing that there are these giant beings but also um human-sized beings oh. cohabiting together um, but you go from walking up these sort of giant uh, sets of stairs to, yeah, crawling along this sort of parapet out uh, around the building to try and find a way in, and it's a really odd sensation. And so to have um, to have those silver knights uh, with the dragon slayer great bows firing at you is is just really really tedious. I think I, I can imagine if if I had to run up there and. And actually go toe to toe with that night, it, it, it would have ended horribly. It usually, it does. twenty 30 it, to
5: thirty uh, times. Talking about yeah. contrast, you we talking about at uh, the top of the show, talking about um, the music being silent and dramatic, and talking of Anna Londo being like, super pristine and, and grandiose, you know. And then down to the, the painting world. I think Sean, you mentioned the the, the painting world earlier. Um, what a contrast in, in worlds, you know, not just because the painting world of Arianus, which you access through the, the aforementioned painting, that is meant to be the place that is where the gods send things to be banished. You know, things that are harmful to gods, i.e. the occult clubs and stuff like that. In the Dark Ember, yeah, exactly. yeah. The Dark Dark Ember, yeah. Um, they're all kind of banished in there, as well as one of the other bosses. Um, they're all shoved into the painting world, now we're thinking the sun and the, the illusion of the sun should I say, the, the warmth and the, the gleam of Anna compared to the, the snow and the, the kind of rickety environment of the painting world, I think serves a phenomenal contrast and for me probably made the painting world feel so uh, atmospheric compared to, uh, as you just said, the, the kind of lifeless area of, of Anna
1: Yeah, it's very much a contrast and it, it puts the... Um... The end choice of the game into, so yeah, we talked a bit about the gameplay and then and then wandered off into Anor Londo. I think the thing that strikes me as most RPG like about um, Dark Souls is the way you can you can create your character. So, the usual sort of um, choices are there in terms of combat, being either a, a melee character or a, a a mage character, or um, various different types of assassin or rogue or or archer hunter type characters Um, and you know as as per usual you you level up your characters as as you go through Um, but it it feels very different you know the the easy touchstone are the Elder Scrolls games but um, a little bit like if you've got a third person action game and the combat is very very uh, you you know it hits the nail on the head it's spot on you you know that if you muck up, it's your fault. That's kind of the difference here, because you know, you think to Skyrim. What a lot of people say is that the combat doesn't feel terribly weighty. It doesn't feel terribly responsive. You're kind of just, you're almost winging it every time you get into a combat situation. Whereas the difference is that in Dark Souls, you need to um, to get a grasp of the combat pretty quickly, um, in order that you know what you're doing. You know what your limitations are. You know what the the NPC's limitations are because the really interesting thing is that every character uh, certainly every humanoid character has the same abilities and moveset as you would have with their equipment um, there's there very few characters, I don't think any humanoid characters who have moves or, or abilities that you can't also have um, which, which is which is really unusual and really important because it means that you can understand how they fight as well um, kind of the 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 basics of the the combat and the really important stuff that I found you have to learn and if you don't certainly by the time you get to Gwyn go you're going to pay for it um, are the parry repost backstab and Paul you've already mentioned poise being incredibly important um, those are the sort of key things you have to learn even if you're playing a mage character even if you're playing a ranged uh, archer um, you're you're gonna have to know how to do that because at some point you're gonna need to to go sword to sword or uh, or whatever your melee weapon of choice is, um, toe to toe with another character, and you're gonna have to be able to, uh, dodge and cope with their their moves, uh, in some way, shape, or form. Um, how did you guys find find that? Obviously, similar to yeah, I, so
3: much, um, but... this is kind of often why I whenever people start Dark Souls and they say, "What should I do?" Because you have the options, you have so many options at the start of what kind of class you want to be. And almost always, I'll tell them start with the pyromancer because it's got a, it's got a very equal balance of melee and magic, at the same time. And so, and most games start you off you got one or the other, and you can do that with this too. But it's nice that it gives you the option, any kind of option. But eventually, you are going to have to learn how to do everything if you want to see everything in the game and get through everything as well.
2: I've had many other build choice, but uh, really, what it comes down to is that I tend to go melee by uh, a heavy. Um, get a decent shield, get a claymore, and lightening that bastard up, you know. Now, the one thing about the claymore is that the most recent patch, which is one point five or six, um, one point, probably is one point five, might be six. Um, it's reduced the effectiveness of that particular combo, you know. And another thing is, like coming out out of da- uh, Demon Souls, like the the setup that I always had was. I would have Execution Amaralda's Arma- Execution armor on because it looked badass, but I would also have a nice shield and I would have a spear so that I could just turtle behind the thing and poke people to death all day, and it was great. But um, it's not quite as uh, effective in Dark Souls and a lot of the other setups can get uh, so much more damage in that kind of time, so generally I go Pyr- Pyromancer as well, get get my glove upgraded, get some decent Pyromancy spells and just go to town with a claymore. And a lot of it is uh, just getting behind them, stabbing them in the back, and then two-handing them when they're standing back up.
3: Uh-huh. Combustion's always a good uh, right-up-close thing, too.
2: Yeah, I mean, the thing is, like, combustion absolutely annihilates Gwyn. Like, he doesn't know how to deal with it, so you yeah. can just it use it over right. and over. Um, he, he, what happens is he jumps from side to side, mm-hmm. and he doesn't actually attack, uh, but he's okay. getting burnt with every single bust. Right.
1: Yeah, yeah. Yeah, especially if it's great combustion, because that does.
2: Yeah. I mean, you won't kill them off with, uh, well, not level one anyway, because, like, I've got a level one run where that's how I kill them, you know, it's on YouTube. Yeah. And uh, basically, like, I used 16 great combustions or something like that. And then I needed the one last one, so I just changed it to standard combustion, just for that little spit in the think, face to uh, kill them yeah, off. Yeah,
1: that's the thing that struck me was in, in Demon's Souls, I felt I was encouraged to to pick a combat type and kind of stick with it. And you can get away with being a ranged character and not often having to go to melee too much uh, in Demon Souls. But in, in Dark Souls, it was much more accepting of me getting my dexterity up high and having a, a great bow that I could use to sort of pick off or aggro characters from a distance. Um, also having um, pyromancy as, as a good backup, certainly for boss characters, and, and I didn't use it much outside of that. Um, uh, but also having melee options, and just having something like Power Within as a pyromancy spell, but buffing your your um, physical uh, damage that you're doing is it. It just gives you a lot of flexibility. Even if you're a melee character, you're going to want to have some spells or miracles, or um, well, spells kind of covers both the sorceries and the uh, and the pyromancies. But um, you're going to want to. To investigate those other options, as <coughs> excuse me, as well, um, and use maybe something like heal as an extra few uh, estus flasks, essentially, um, and and maybe have a couple of pyromancies on tap as well. Um, yeah, felt really flexible by the end, and so I went into each boss knowing that I had the tools at my disposal that, assuming it wasn't bed of chaos, I could make use of and uh, and actually feel confident. I was surprised by the end of the game how powerful I felt, actually. Uh, I hadn't expected it at all um, from what people had told me. Um, I'd expected to feel always fully challenged, but Gwyn I went into and didn't even use Nestus an flask. And okay, I had Solaire with me, but it was I felt bad for the guy, in all honesty. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Qu- um, Gwyn's really actually did. an
2: interesting boss because the intention behind his design was that no matter what kind of path he had taken during the game, hmm. you would be able to take him out just using whatever you were comfortable with. Yeah, but since they made him so broad, they also made him way too easy to just destroy. Hmm. You know, yeah. like uh, they they said that that was one of the things that they felt that um they'd shot for something and not really quite managed to get it where they wanted it to be. Just because uh, and making him so easy, well, not so much easy, but so susceptible to any kind of attack, he was just he wasn't the end boss that they wanted. And I'll tell you, he's got f- fantastic music. You know, we were talking about music oh, earlier yeah, yeah. on, but. That track is one of my favourites from the game.
1: I think the thing that probably stymies a lot of people is a lot of the bosses in the game aren't necessarily as in-your-face as he is. He, um, like Artorius, I suppose, Sean, was the comparison you drew, Um he he's constantly aggressive towards you plenty of other bosses will will attack and they'll have their combos but then they'll back off or they'll tire and they'll need a break he doesn't he's right up in your face and if if you've got a bit of uh i had chlorinthy ring on so i'd got some stamina and i just had my usual uh, silver knight shield um which i'd upgraded to get a decent stability on which meant that he wasn't ever actually in danger of um knocking me back or breaking through my defense um he was doing a little bit of fire damage but not too much um, but it meant that I could kind of take what he was throwing at me and then as and when I got the, the moment, um, toss a, a, a great fireball actually, I actually had chaos fireballs which do double damage because you get the sort of splash lava as well um, and yeah, Solaire was a champ in that fight as well uh, he has quite a lot of health in that fight so the chances of him going down are are fairly slim but he aggroes um, Gwyn enough to just give you a breather every now and then
3: uh, Snicky Dave says Dark Souls is definitely one of my favorite games this generation the 70 plus hours I spent exploring its world was one of the most satisfying gaming experiences I've had it's open but it doesn't sacrifice its pacing by rendering every direction an equal choice as so much open world games do you're free to go down from Firelink Shrine towards the skeletons or the ghosts, you'll die horrifically but you can go <clears throat> it doesn't push you where you need to go with invisible walls and waypoints, but lets you scramble around pushing against its systems until you find the path of least. It doesn't push you where you need to go with invisible walls and waypoints, but lets you scramble around pushing against its systems until you find the path of least but considerable resistance when you do push forward, the sense of discovery is palpable, perhaps the most beguiling aspect of dark souls for me was the way it handled experience. Some felt that the precariousness of your souls was too punitive a feature as a lot of effort. The spoils from a boss, perhaps, could be lost forever due to a couple of minor errors. For me, this underlined that the game was really about you getting better as a player, and that any particular accumulation of souls doesn't really matter. Experience or XP in many games has become a dull marker of time spent or enemies killed, but the souls in Dark Souls are just a commodity. The real experience gained is your own. Almost every encounter, won or lost, is instructive, or at least a reinforcement of lessons previously established. The proof of this comes if you choose to replay it. Where the first time through, you might have rested on the statistical crutch by grinding in the undead berg. You fly through it, even at a low level, dancing around the enemies that once seemed so deadly. That said, it was not without flaws. It is sometimes overly obtuse, a little more elaboration of how some of the items or covenants work in a sequel would hardly impact the game's overall focus of... On player-led exploration or its bleakly or its bleakly lonely tone some of the environments could also have been better designed blighttown for example is appropriately named thin walkways of the poisonous swamp below and an erratic frame rate are an unpleasant combination nickels aside dark souls is wonderful its strict deep combat and surprisingly unique atmosphere were hugely compelling to me roll on dark souls too
1: yeah i think um touched on a few of the aspects we've talked about I think it surprised me actually that we haven't really mentioned the difficulty that much um, and I'm really glad about that because often the conversation when it comes to Dark Souls is oh it's really difficult I, I'm not sure that it necessarily is difficult, not in the way you would usually think of difficult, you know like a a legendary run through on, on Halo or um, uh, sort of top difficulty in a shooter where it's just it feels unfair when you're you're not seeing where the the mistakes you're making are or where you're being punished from. Um, I think the thing that resounded about what um, Sneaky Dave was saying for me is once you get over the hump that, yes, you may have 10,000 souls, yes, you might die and lose them, but it doesn't really matter, once you get past that, there isn't a lot of punishment for dying. Actually, there's a lot of reward to dying if you're barreling in a suicide run to grab an item um, that item's yours forever. If you unlock a shortcut, that shortcut's unlocked forever. The fact that you might die, um, you know, getting you know immediately after you've got it or unlocked the shortcut is kind of neither here nor there. The, the progress you can make in Dark Souls, certainly more than Demon Souls, I'd, I'd argue, is is actually significant <coughs> in terms in terms of enemies that don't respawn and shortcuts that can be unlocked. Um, it's quite easy just to range out from a bonfire and make some progress somewhere. Uh, even if death is the ultimate end, before you get to another bonfire.
3: One thing, speaking to difficulty, a lot of games. It sounds like such a shitty thing to say, but a lot of games this generation feel like you just you you rush in, and you destroy everything, and you walk out, and that's it. And, and the big yeah. thing about both Souls games is all about taking your time, and mm-hmm. walking into everywhere with your shield up, and literally walking into everywhere, not necessarily running into any situation. Yeah. And so I'm sure a lot of people do just like the first thing you do, you, you go to your first area, you run up to an enemy and you try to hit them. You don't lock on, you don't block or anything like that. And and any even the first enemy will take you out in three hits. So people sure. read that as difficulty when it's really more just you not taking your time. It's it's, it's almost always your fault.
2: <laughs> See, I think Sense Fortress is an absolutely fantastic example of this, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Mm. Um it's not really to do with the enemies. The enemies there are difficult enough uh, when you first get in. You know they've got a lot of hit points. Oh, yeah. But really, it's about... You've got to study that, uh, the environment. You've got to see where the clues are. Because it is just full of traps that will do really horrible things to your life. <laughs> and like, you could, if you started the game there, you could easily tell some people getting really pissed off and they would be like, that game's impossible. Mm-hmm. It's not giving you the clues. But the clues are always there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, you'll see that raised plate. And someone that's intelligent and got their eyes looking out for everything, they'll notice it, and they'll look around for uh, where, what that'll do, you know? Mm -hmm. They might step in it with their shield up, or they might look around for crossbow bolt holes, and uh, then you'll get the second kind of guy that just goes running in, and he's like, Yeah, I'm gonna kill everybody! I'm amazing! I'm fucking dead! This is shit! One absolutely fantastic moment that I had in it, okay? Mm -hmm. After getting eaten by the, the mimic in the oh, chest. Oh, goddammit, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Fortunately, I had enough health that didn't kill me, but <laughs> that was quite a surprise, you know? Yeah. But in that area where the mimic is, there is a left going up and down. <laughs> yes. and the most interesting yep. thing about it is that I looked at that uh, left, and I was wondering why the hell there was blood, blood all, all over it. Yep. <laughs> and I was like, okay, there's something nasty with this left here, you know? <laughs> and like, if I would just been running in, maybe running away from the mimic or something, I wouldn't have noticed that. And I wouldn't yeah. have uh, like tried to get off the lift as soon as humanly possible, <laughs> and I'd have been impaled in the spikes because there's a, a spike-filled kind trap at the end of it. Mm-hmm. And yeah. although yeah. I've never fallen prey to that, you know, it's the fact that I haven't is just because of the visual design is so damn good.
1: Um, Darren, could you read out uh, follow my runes comment, please?
2: Follow my rune says regarding Dark Souls. When I think back to my time with the game, the most prevalent feeling I have is one of frustration and relief rather than the anticipated frustration to elation gameplay that so many others have experienced. I would echo the view of others who suggest that the game is more of a test of patience and planning than outright difficulty. For myself, it felt like I had become invested in the sense of achievement of making it from start to finish, to the extent that I became simply incapable of enjoying some arguably more vapid games I got during my playthrough. For a game which punishes the slightest questionable decision, I had made it desperately unfair by not patching it and assaulting some key carters. The result was my 56-hour playthrough blighted by a 40-hour doubly stacked course. Uh, what uh, we haven't mentioned is that the course kind of halves your health and you can only get rid of it with certain items.
1: Yeah, uh, yeah, that's something that, uh, again, like you guys, a lot of people who played the game early struggled with because it wasn't terribly clear Uh how you got Curse, what it did, and how you could get rid of it.
2: It was kind of obvious um, what it did once you had it.
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, <sure. laughs>
2: but uh, with no prior knowledge of vendors, of patch notes, of weapon upgrades, this game felt overwhelming. Because of this, I developed a fourth wall breaking complex where I started to load the game which led to a downward spiral of in-game poor decisions and slow progression. In hindsight, I can tip my hat to the sinister humour of this negative emotional response to the game, but it is not with fondness I will remember and I would be reluctant to attempt a new game plus. I can say I enjoyed its predecessor more. Its hub style system and see the finish line gameplay were more palatable to me. I can even forgive Demon's Soul's more numerous, cheeky and unfair traps because it never left me feeling like it was unachievable, as Dark Souls occasionally did.
1: And and almost nothing in the game protects you against curse aside from um that one spell that Ingward sells. And almost certain. Well, you have to have been to the depths before you. You would probably go to him. Um, yeah. Yeah. Nasty stuff. Yeah. That's one of the things that's been made much uh, less of an issue later in the game. Uh, and I think it's fair to say that by the time I played the game, uh, once the PC version was out, um, I probably had a significantly easier time of it, just in terms of some of the balancing they'd done. Mm-hmm. Um, sure, some of the the weapons and items were nerfed a little bit to make them less powerful. Um, but the um, the the multiplayer aspect had been patched, so it was easier to to find players and get them into your game as well. Um, which is is probably something we ought to talk about actually. Um, there's <coughs> there's uh, a couple of main ways to interact with with other players in the game. Uh, the first one is summoning.
5: Yeah, I pretty much summon whenever I can. That's pretty much the only reason I get into human form. Uh, I'm some of the bosses like Gwyn you were talking about earlier have been really difficult, uh, sorry, really easy, I found them awfully difficult, it just must be me being terrible, but uh, I, I tried to summon in, I would wait for hours sometimes outside, um, outside the full gate just waiting on someone to help me, because I often find just basically giving the boss someone else to someone else to attack for a brief moment swings the odds dramatically in your favour so I would summon, whenever I saw a summon sign I would would constantly summon
1: The idea is that there will be signs left on the ground and if you are in human form, uh, there's there's risks to being in human form um, but the main benefit is that you're able to summon in not just other players but also NPC characters uh, for not necessarily just the bosses, just making your way through the area as well, although it's usually for bosses. Uh, the downside is that plenty of the bosses actually have more health if you summon someone in, um, which which wouldn't necessarily be obvious. And I think, Paul, you're spot on in saying that, actually, especially in fights like um, Ornstein and Smo uh, and Gwyn, having someone there, be it NPC or other character, just to to aggro and give you a chance to heal or to attack without... Having to concentrate on their the boss's attack patterns quite so much um, really makes a heck of a difference. Yeah,
5: it means you can also use like ranged attacks, like magics and stuff that often take quite a while to charge up, especially like the pirate man, say. So like if someone's just basically got their shield up the whole time and, and you know draw an angle, and then you can take a, a step back, you know, fire completely use all your stock of magics and then. You know, you've swung the odds in your favour even if the boss was to have say, double health I think having that other person in would still put the odds stack the odds quite quite firmly in your favour
1: Yeah I was just thinking about it <coughs> I was going to say that first of all I was going to say that Quillag's probably the first time that summoning someone in really helps because if she's constantly focused on you and with the pools of lava around um, it makes it very difficult but actually gaping dragon before that is really helpful as well um, just because that boss has so much health that if you're constantly trying to attack it while it's, it, it's got the potential to kill you in one hit at that stage in the game, um, then having someone else there to aggro uh, Solaire you can call in is really useful. Um, but even the Gargoyles way before that, um, so useful to have someone else there so that you haven't got mm-hmm. two Gargoyles coming at you halfway through that fight um, is is just really valuable, yeah. and we've already mentioned uh, Iron Golem as well, Yeah, summoning someone in really helps.
3: The, the Gargoyle fights is um, very reminiscent to me of uh, Demon Souls, the Maneater, uh, man-eater fights, yeah, and sorry. I can't, I still to this day, I've played that game six times now, I can't fight Maneater alone, I need somebody there, I've never beaten them by myself, and <laughs> it's always great to have that extra person there, just to, uh, yeah. I feel bad, but at the same time, they 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 put that summon sign down, so they wanted to. No, know, ab- so. absolutely,
1: yeah. yeah. No, I, I think the <clears> uh, my overwhelming <throat> feeling, especially from Demon Souls, and it sort of carried through to Dark Souls, was if it's in the game, you can do it. That makes it okay. And, yeah. and I understand the you know a lot of players who've who've done and finished Soul Level One run throughs are now looking for more challenge, and so Soul Level One's not good enough. It needs to be with starting gear and you know et cetera et cetera. Um, And the idea of exploiting or cheesing your way through a boss probably seems ridiculous to them. Why would you want to make the game Mm -hmm. easier or more tedious or anything? But no, when it comes to summon signs, they're there for a reason. And if it makes your life a little bit easier, Mm -hmm. um, especially on some of the tougher boss fights where we're talking about trying them 15 or 20 times before you you get through them, then that's that's fair game. And and the, the punishment of the extra hit points are... Or what you sort of lay down as as the the deficit to, to doing that, yeah. The, the last <laughs> excuse me, the last area of uh, of multiplayer that we uh, that it's worthwhile focusing on, I think, is um, invading. So the opposite of summoning, instead of laying down a, a sign on the ground for other players to to invite you into their game to help them, uh, invading is uh, through use of either a cracked red orb or a red orb. Um, the ability to enter someone's game in order to attack them. Uh, this, this is straight from, uh, Demon's Souls. Um, but in, in Dark Souls is there as well. There was nothing more that put me off being in human form more than the risk of being invaded. Um,
3: unfortunately, like playing at day one, uh, pre patch mm-hmm. with all the, um, matchmaking issues it was having, especially more back then. Uh, using Cracked Red Orb almost never worked. I tried it a couple times, and it, it would never work. And before the patch, um, you could only have like a certain amount of Cracked Red Orb. And before the patch, if you used it and it still failed, they would still eat up your Cracked Red Orbs. So for the longest time, I just never even bothered with it because it wasn't working, and it was just using it up all the time. But um, they fixed it up a little bit now. So last night, um, I had finished it again. And got back to Undeadburg, and anyone who's in New Game Plus, like when you get when you're that first open area in Undeadburg where the uh, dragon crashes in front of you and flies up, there's just a million invasion signs laying around. And um, <laughs> so I just messed around before I went to sleep last night and, and invited a few guys in, and they all destroyed me, every single one of them. But <laughs> it was fun every time. I don't know, it's, it's it, it, it gives you a different challenge because most of the... Most of the usual enemies laying around are really easy, you just walk up, and especially if you're in New Game Plus, you walk up and you knock them out. And the bosses are generally kind of easier in New Game Plus as well, that you know, to expect, but yeah, with PvP yeah. it's always a new experience, so it makes a lot of fun.
2: I'm not usually too big a fan of invading, unless it's done just with uh, a strange and skewed sense of uh, fun and morality. Like, uh, what I would do is, I would join the Dark Truth Covenant, okay? Um, I would give them thirty humanity, so I, I ended up looking like the most evil bastard imaginable. <laughs> and for those who haven't seen it, the dark Wraith Armour is like this—it's like this wild skeleton kind of get up.
1: Uh, Your Skeletor, essentially. Basically,
2: yeah. You know, it's like a steel yeah. s- steel Skeletor kind of job. Yeah. And I would, uh, I would purposely keep myself at low level. You know, like um, I think level ten is the sweet spot. And I would go to the <laughs> Undead Parish. And I would start invading people there, just as this bringer of death type would yeah, a big flaming sword. And th- naturally, they would be shitting themselves. So what I would do is, I would walk up in front of them and wave to them. And if they waved back, I gave them a present, like Santa. <laughs> I w- um, if they attacked me, I would actually just let them kill me, because, you know, it's obviously not a fair fight if you're uh, equipped with that kind of gear. Yeah. But if they were being friendly, I would just give them a little present to help them on their way. <laughs> and uh, I've actually made a video of that which you can see on YouTube if you look for the friendly dark wreath. <laughs> <laughs>
1: right. The best kind of Satan clause ever.
5: No, I don't I don't like either to be honest. Uh, being invaded can be fun. You know, it's just
4: <laughs>
5: if if the timing's good, like if you're in a certain area and you're not too far away, but ninety nine percent of the time ninety nine percent of the time it's just bad timing and, and uh, mm, just yeah. when you see that full gate go up your heart just sinks
3: yeah. oh yeah scarier than forward. like any yeah, survival yeah. horror game in the last few years just seeing the words someone has invaded you like,
1: Fuck! where are they going to come from yeah you sort of back yourself into a corner and and just wait in my and case i you know they're often
5: um, really well equipped to deal with you but <laughs> Yeah, and
1: when know, I was, they they know what they're doing. I think that's the more often than, thing
5: than not. It. Yeah, and I like that aspect. It, it keeps things really fresh and interesting. But invading I've tried mm-hmm. it like once or twice. Like I really dislike it. Like I would go in and I'd get into the world and I'd hunt them down. You know, thinking I'm going to take these guys down, and get their humanity or whatever.
2: I've got to admit, during one of my invasions, when I was trying to help a guy, he, uh, he stabbed me in the back. And um, unfortunately, when I try to roll away to avoid being stabbed, it wouldn't line and tear a bunch of enemies and he died regardless.
4: <laughs>
2: and one of the, the one of the best things, okay, or one of the most horrific uh, things imaginable, depending on your uh, point of view, is if you, as an invader, hide behind a blacksmith or something like that.
3: Oh, yeah. they a- oh no. <laughs> they will attack. Stand next to oh, an NDC. No. Potentially
2: oh, yeah. kill them, or uh, at least make them fall out with them. And then that's it; yeah. they're gone from the game. Ah, oh,
1: it's the worst.
2: <laughs> that is possibly the ultimate deck movie can. Yeah, <laughs> Souls.
1: Yeah, I think uh, there's two memories of invading that I have. One is uh, later in the game when I was in uh, in Ula in the DLC. Um, I I was relatively high level, probably around level ninety or so at that point, so pretty high for a first playthrough. Um, and uh, I could not kindle a bonfire for being automatically kicked back up and invaded um, and if you're quick enough when the fog gate goes up you can quit out of the game and then load back in but literally I couldn't sit down long enough to kindle the bonfire before I was being automatically kicked up from the bonfire and, and uh, at that point it was blue phantoms coming in to get me because I'd been naughty clearly at some point um, but also at that stage in the game I I was comfortable enough with my weapons and, and my abilities and had power within equipped um, that that was the first time I I actually killed an invader, um, and that sense of you know bow to them as they approach, uh-huh. and and you have that sort of that civil uh, respect for one another. Uh, usually that just ended up with me looking like a fool <laughs> and dying horribly, but at this point I actually felt like you know I was doing five hundred damage on them with the great scythe when it hit, um, and you could I could I could. Clearly, I couldn't see the fear in their eyes, but when they they actually got caught by me and realised the damage I was doing, I could see them backing up and trying to work out how to to deal with me now. Uh, and that kind of thing, where you actually do feel like you're on an equal footing and not just being not just being taken advantage of as well <laughs> by someone, uh, particularly early in the game. Um, that was that was really refreshing, and I actually enjoyed that a little bit. Despite the inconvenience of it, um, but the other point was much earlier in the game at, at Ornstein and and because the two bonfires you've got to get to that boss fight from you've got two options really. Um, one's the main Anor Londo one, the other one's the uh, the one inside the the palace, mm-hmm. and either one of those there are way t- it's way too far to go, and a few too many enemies uh, before you get to Solaire's summon sign and then into the fight, and I i actually had more trouble getting into that boss fight without being invaded and killed than i did <laughs> defeating uh ornstein and small um but the th- the third time i'd been invaded uh and i was busy fighting one of the sentinels outside the royal sentinels and i saw this guy walk in and i just thought great last time this happened the guy just walked up to me while i was fighting the sentinel and stabbed me in the back <laughs> um because you sort of think okay they'll be civil they'll wait until I finish they'll let me heal and then we'll have the fight no (laughs) no (laughs) No, clearly not but this guy just stood over at the side and I thought oh brilliant he's going to wait until I'm finished and I was making a hash of this fight as well The Sentinels aren't that difficult, but I was just mucking up all over the place. Must have looked like such an idiot. And at the end of it, he he beckoned me over and I was like, oh, brilliant, here we go. Went over to him and I noticed two bags on the ground and he was pointing down at them. And I thought, oh, what's this? I pick this up and get cursed or something because I had no idea. And I picked up the first one, Nine Humanity, picked up the second one. Uh, nine demon titanites so he just waved at me and went and i, I could have cried <laughs> that's awesome. i honestly could have yeah. cried it was just like okay there you go that's why invading's in this yeah. game because to have someone do that you know just stand there watch me fight take the time and then just go on their merry way and at that point in the game nine humanity when you've been wasting humanity getting invaded is it's it's gold dust yeah. you know you can't you can't uh, fast travel down to the depths to get any more that that was my nice invading story <laughs> that really that really made it worthwhile
3: yeah there, there's there's something to be said there about just the souls community in general like everybody who yeah. is serious at the game is we're all in it together whether we're fighting each other or fighting with each other and everybody knows that that the risk that you're taking by letting someone invade you so that there's always that mutual respect involved which you don't get in many other games at all
1: okay Um, I think uh, the time has come almost for our summaries, but what I wanted to do uh, very quickly uh, was just run through... There's been, obviously, news um, a little while ago. Dark Souls 2 was announced, and just uh, yesterday, in fact, uh, IGN had their exclusive reveal of the first 12 minutes of gameplay and uh, and an interview with uh, one of the game's directors, because there's now two, neither of whom are the original director. Um, we should probably mention these fine gentlemen who bring us these games Um, so uh, Demon Souls and then Dark Souls were the same director Uh, Hidetaka Miyazaki Um, and again the reason it was a a spiritual uh, successor was because they'd had three different publishing deals at least worldwide for demon souls just because of the nature of the game it hadn't been picked up for worldwide publication um and when uh it came round time to to do a sequel uh, rather than go through the legal wranglings with uh, sony japan studio who had been um publisher in japan i think that's right uh and, and had, had taken some of the brunt of the development cost as well uh to make a ps3 exclusive um, rather than go through the legal wranglings of trying to extract whatever portion of the Demon Souls IP uh, was shared with them, uh, they essentially created this spiritual successor, which means there's a lot of overlap. We've touched on a couple of things that are very similar in terms of characters um, or or bosses or or areas of the world that are quite similar, um, but they made it a spiritual successor, which means that there's a lot of similarities, but some differences. Um, this time around, they are doing... Uh, not necessarily a straight sequel. They haven't said too much about whether it carries over directly, but it's be, it's being called Dark Souls 2, and they've changed director. There's now... Um, Miyazaki is no longer involved, and instead there are co-directors. Um, a, again, apologies for any mispronunciation. Uh, Yui Tanemura and Tomohiro Shibuya uh, are jointly directing this game. Um, from what we've heard, they want to make... There's a bit of <coughs> excuse me a bit of a um translation game going on here. Originally it sounded like they wanted to make the game easier or more accessible, but since then either through backpedaling or because they're clarifying exactly what they meant in the first place, what they actually mean is that they want to make some of the systems slightly less obscure and to make it slight make some of those uh humps that you have to get over stuff like uh knowing what humanity does in dark souls uh, that takes a lot of working out if there's no one there to tell you um exactly how it works so something like that for instance might be a bit more clear in dark souls 2 um i scarcely have to ask if if we're interested in dark souls 2 <laughs> okay. but um from what you have heard uh what's your thoughts on the future of dark souls 2 um or or have you been avoiding news about Dark Souls 2? Because I imagine uh, at least a couple of us are probably in that situation.
2: I would suck up news about Dark Souls 2 with a vacuum cleaner if I could. <laughs> <laughs> I am not the kind of guy that tends to starve myself on media blackouts or anything like that. I mm. tend to grab everything that I can about a game before it's ever on the shelves.
3: Yeah, I know for me, It was. it was... I think all of us or at least most of us were really concerned when we heard that first news about the, the word going around was accessibility, and that's like nothing that any Souls fan wants to hear. But when they showed off the gameplay, we're recording this literally the day after they showed off the gameplay, and um, I think a lot of us, our fears were allayed a little bit. It's, it's It looks the same, well it looks similar, and that they clarified that the it's more about the systems that they want more accessible rather than the storytelling or the combat like that's very welcome i think even for people like us who like the systems of of the dark souls games like i totally understand why it turns people off that they can't understand very uh, systems that you need to know like humanity and stuff like that and so if they can get away with explaining that a little bit easier while keeping the combat just as rewarding and keeping the story just as subtle, then I think we're all set.
2: Yeah, and I mean, I think they lost that to that degree in the transition between Demon Souls and Dark Souls as well, because world tendency to to this day just yeah. confuses the living shit out of me. You know,
4: <laughs> <Yeah>.
2: <laughs> I mean, I get the yeah. concept and I understand it, but trying to tell if you're in black or white uh, yeah. and just how you far to each side and. Can you kill this guy yet, or do you have to go and commit suicide in the Nexus? You know, it was it was a well, good idea. Uh, I like the idea that the world would change according to the yeah. the tendency, but actually manipulating that tendency was goddamn just an, yeah. insane. You know,
1: I, I think that the telling thing is that that what the um, the directors ha- have been saying, and actually Miyazaki himself have have, have been saying it's they're not necessarily happy with how all the systems have come across uh and all the different uh, mechanics of the game have come across they've not been as as clear as perhaps they thought they were going to be so my hope is that when they talk about making some of the systems clearer that's what they mean where they where they don't feel they've done as well as they maybe could have in the past tightening that up a little bit making it a little bit clearer without affecting the accessibility because we'll we'll see through some of the three word reviews and also uh you know, my certainly my wrap up. I want to talk talk a little bit about the fact that getting online, getting in touch with people is, and finding out what's going on in this game, finding out the quirks and the the ways of doing things and how the game works uh, through social uh, the, the social aspect and community aspect um, is, is really important, and I don't want that to to go. Um, just the the notion that I have three or four places I can go to if I'm stuck at a boss and I know there'll be someone there just to give some reassurance. (laughs) reviews we had a lot of responses uh, I think 22 was the last count um, a couple of people gave multiple responses so uh, with apologies to them I chose whichever I thought was the best uh, of their contributions and, and we went with that one um, we're going to run through and uh, see what people thought uh, yeah Moose says prepare to die
2: link 6616 says death and death
1: the Sonic
3: Mole, and I, I love this one, it says Rite of Passage.
2: <laughs>
3: Dark
5: Eye 3 says Rinse and Repeat.
1: Uh,
2: Coffee Jesus. Best game ever. Angry Cadaver says I can't win.
3: MCI. Jerome MCI uh, says Just Not Engaging.
2: Woodfella 15 says Deep
5: Ambiguous reward.
2: DP Brad? Need a new controller <laughs>
3: <laughs> Yeah Yeah. Uh C Wench design says <laughs> says uh post mortem introspection.
5: Uh Kival stuff to a says best V D Castlevania.
1: Project Tat Sun says why no pause? Why
3: no pause? Because Dark Souls, bitch. No pause for <laughs> you.
2: <laughs> Rachette Hood says frustration to illusion.
3: Baker's twelve says death ad infinitum. Gd Coslow says
5: wonderful
1: enemy design. Uh, Devon York one says cruel yet rewarding.
2: Baron Fell says small mistake, dead.
3: Furiace says treasure left, death.
5: Uh, Nick Neil twenty six says almost there, dead.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I, I loved the the fortune of having those three come in <laughs> yeah. one after the other. Yeah. Just e- each one of them is two words death, <laughs> two words dead <laughs> Just which it is how the game feels. Yep. Absolutely. you know it's two steps forward and then off a cliff. <laughs> uh Hedanic says no hands held.
2: Coruscate says praise the sun.
3: Uh, Jasper Verne, um, creator of Lone Survivor. And the upcoming New Game Plus was nice enough to send over his three-word review. Uh, unusually pleasurable
1: pain. Um, in keeping with, with today, I I knew we wouldn't get to, to fit in as much about the game and the lore and our memories of it as as we might like. Um, because it would take a much longer podcast or series of podcasts to do. Um, and there is such a series of podcasts. Um, Bonfireside Chat uh, by the guys at DuckFeed.tv. Uh, They are at the moment going through one separate area of the game uh, per fortnight. They are up to Anor Londo uh, at the last count. Uh, I encourage you, if if any of you are people who have played through this game a few times and and maybe uh, wanted to hear some of the speculations, some of the theories uh, that we've touched on, but they've got more time to go in a bit more in depth to um definitely give them a check out uh, a fascinating listen they spend a couple of hours each week just on one area of the game and all the various npcs and uh characters you meet there and and what all the different theories about those characters and how the lore intertwines with them uh definitely recommend a listen. Yeah, a very loud cat um, as well <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah absolutely um and Uh, there's two YouTube channels I I would recommend for anyone who's looking for more on the lore a lot of it is speculation, there's no getting around that, we're talking sort of um, Harry Potter's the one thing I can think of where there was a lot of speculation over what might happen in the next books and everything and a lot of people were just pulling stuff out of their ass frankly Uh, uh, but in this case it's really looking over the evidence and with a game the great thing you've got on youtube is you can capture the footage and show people the evidence of what you found and and really start piecing stuff together so uh the one that most people might have heard of is epic name bro uh his youtube channel uh he's got a lot of stuff on lore i spent more time than i would care to admit today uh going through some videos on there just trying to work out what the possibilities are for stuff that i suspected or missed or or you know would have appreciated a bit more information on um and also uh vati Vidya. um i'm not going to spell that but the easiest way to find his channel on youtube is to to look for prepare to cry um he does what we tried to do a little bit of which is pick a character or a group of characters and really delve deep on what they mean to the lore and then overall over several videos try and sort of piece together what might be going on in the bigger picture um of course if you want more information um like for Demon Souls, uh, there are wikis available. There are at least two, I think maybe three for Dark Souls that are all pretty good in depth. They don't necessarily go into the lore so much, but if you want to know what the best uh, weapon to use for your character or the best strategy to take down a boss is, there's a lot of information on those uh, wikis. And the most important thing is uh, something that uh, we've been doing a little bit of, oh, <coughs> excuse me, on the uh, the can Rinse Forums. Um, get yourself in amongst a group of people who you can go and cry on the shoulder of or call out to help for or just vent at. And, you know... <laughs> When the gaping dragon choose you a new one, go on there and tell people about it and they will commiserate with you and maybe offer some sage words or even hop in uh, co op as well. So get onto our forums or onto Twitter uh, and follow any one of us or any people on there talking about Dark Souls and drop them a line. I have been in- surprised a strong word because, uh, you know, it's not surprising to find people that play video games who are incredibly smart and uh, eloquent and friendly, um, but get yourself involved in some community uh, on the internet, and you will find a wealth of knowledge uh, and support at your fingertips uh, to to make playing Dark Souls all the more enjoyable. I'd say. Uh, anywhere you guys in particular would like to point? <laughs> excuse me, <clears throat> point people. Any resources you would recommend, or any uh, anything like that?
3: Uh, I think you pretty much covered it. Honestly, you got. The, those Vati video prepare to cry videos are great. Not only in that in that they describe lore, but they he presents it in a very dramatic way, which is actually ex- it's kind of exciting yeah. to watch. So. Yeah.
1: And there we are. Um <coughs> excuse me. Uh longer than I expected and we still didn't get to cover half the stuff that would have been nice to touch on. Um but uh we are gonna wrap up with our, our summaries of the game. Um uh, I'm gonna go first. Uh Dark Souls is a game that uh, I actually played right back when it came out on 360, but I got as far as... I think I did get as far as the Taurus Demon, but no further than that. And then I stopped because I wanted to finish Demon Souls and came back to it uh, when it came out on on PC and, and actually just finished playing my first playthrough a few days ago. And... I understand the, the criticisms that some fans of Demon Souls have about, uh, there's a couple of, I, I would call them almost unfinished areas. Not that they aren't uh, purposeful or, or beautiful, but it just feels like they weren't quite used in the way that I think they were probably intended. Uh, Lost Isol is certainly one of those. Um, I, I don't think that area or that boss were particularly well thought through. Um, I think also uh, Ash Lake, for all its beauty, there's not a lot going on there. I feel like there was supposed to be more there. Uh, you can go through the game and never go to Ash Lake at all. Uh, same with the Great Hollow, uh, which is great because it means it rewards the people who do go there, but it, equally well, there's not a great deal going on there to find. Although the the one scene that I did desperately want a screenshot of when I was playing this game and uh, was when you first find the uh, Everlasting Dragon down there. Uh, it's just incredible uh, atmosphere, incredibly cinematic and you really feel like you're in the presence of this old being that um, that is hiding away down there as the world around it uh, just is completely changed. Um, and
2: then just a few moments later, you're running about with a dragon for a head and charbroiling everything in your path. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Again, a secret of the game that you would never know existed unless you happened to to go through that covenant. But um, yeah, I, I love all the little Um, nooks and crannies of this game. Uh, I I love all the side stories, the DLC. Again, completely optional. Um, But every time I found something like that, it pulled me in and it made me want to find out more about these characters, uh, more about what was going on in the world and how it all worked. And the very fact that I spent, I'm going to put a figure on about eight, nine hours today, just pouring through lore to try and get a handle on... uh, on how to present all of this, uh, the fact that I can do that after I've already spent seventy-seven hours in the game and a good ten to twenty talking to people and uh, and just generally reading up on the game, uh, and still have all these questions and all these uh, unanswered uh, aspects to the game is uh, is phenomenal. And I'm I'm sat with with Guacamole and uh, Bioshock Infinite ready to be played, and all I want to do is fire up. Uh, Dark Souls and run through with a different character or on New Game Plus. Uh, just tonight, I took twenty five minutes to run through to the Taurus Demon on New Game Plus, uh, and and beat him. Uh, and just yeah, it 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 drags you in. Uh, I think those people who who at some point in the game met a hurdle and were put off by it. You know, some of the three word reviews clearly um, people haven't necessarily found what we found from the game, but. um I found that the the longer, I, excuse me, the longer I went through it, the more it dragged me in, the more I wanted, and the more I I needed from the game. Um, I, I I think I can understand why some people who played day one didn't necessarily enjoy it quite so much because there were problems with it. It was a little unbalanced in places. But now that it's patched up and on PC working flawlessly well, I would say uh, I I really enjoyed it and I loved the fact that they'd taken the They'd taken Demon Souls and managed to create an open world with it. I do appreciate the hub structure of Demon Souls, but something about the open world just makes it a little bit uh, magical. Um, a, a little bit more interesting a world to, to walk through. Um, yeah, I, I really enjoyed Dark Souls and uh, would recommend that everyone at least try it at some point. At least just try and see what it's all about and what's going on. Uh, Darren? Yeah, it's okay.
2: <laughs> <laughs> no, to be honest, I mean in my perfect world, I would have squads of heavily armed right police forcing this down everyone's throats <laughs> You know, if they were like, ah, I'd rather play Skyrim it would be like, shut up and then they would be beaten and pulled down in the street, stuck in the back of a cop van, and then sent to a penitentiary for just a little encouragement towards rightness <laughs> And that's obviously me being a bit of a japester, but this game really is You know how everyone complains that games today are all the same? And they say that it's all cinematic experiences, they're four hours long. Even even saying stuff like Skyrim, you know? I mean, like, it's big, but it's not a challenging game, you know? It's all designed for you to win. This game is designed to spit in your face and laugh at you (laughs) while you're trying to wipe it off. (laughs) It's the kind of game that'll break your legs with a sledgehammer and then force you to run a marathon while being chased by ravenous dogs. And you've got a (laughs) stake stuck to your backside. And... I couldn't think of anything else that I did, but it's just, <laughs> that sense of accomplishment when you beat something in this game is just yeah. so rare in games nowadays, it really is, and it's about the atmosphere, you know, it's about exploring this, it's a much smaller world than so many competing games, but it's so tight and so well developed that just all that, there's so much intelligent kind of decisions that were made. You'll look around the corner and you'll see a little glint of light in the f- in the background, and you'll go towards it and you'll probably die because something horrible is just to smash your brains out. And it's just it's love, you know? The fact that so many people come to this game that just breaks breaks their souls, you know? It's called Dark Souls. Breaks their souls but they, they, they come back, you know? They understand that you know, I, I just think that's fantastic, you know? And the entire subculture that like sprung up around this game and people it was like war wounds you know like war stories you know like i was there in the trenches when this game first came out and i helped my buddies through it and we all had a great time and we had a shit time as well but it was just great the whole way through how many other games coming out nowadays can i inspire that kind of loyalty despite the fact that they're the the developers are laughing at them the entire way through very very few and if nothing else you know if it's not for the great world design and like the tight gameplay systems, I would recommend playing this just because there is nothing else like it apart from Demon's Souls. I can't think of another single game that is anything like this. And for that alone, I mean, it's got my ultimate recommendation. You've got to play this game. So play this game!
1: (laughs) 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 So do it. Um, Yeah, uh, one thing I did just want to say that I'd forgotten out of my summary before we go to, uh, to Sean, is The moment that kind of epitomises this game for me is when you fight Sif, who is a a great wolf um, and is a stunning character. I I went to him right before I went to Ceaseless Discharge, and two more different characters you could not find in this game. Ceaseless Discharge is is revolting. Um, First moment you see him, absolutely revolting. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. Um, but, But Sif was a wondrous character, and after fighting him because when you get him down to fairly low health he starts limping and when he tries to attack you he may fall over because you've you've weakened him so much and the ability with a, with a, a character oh, okay it's a wolf so there's a certain uh, empathy naturally there because it's a, a a essentially a dog um but the ability to characterize this this wolf and, and actually make you feel really sorry for it despite knowing that if you don't kill it it's gonna kill you. I can completely understand why there was this large swell of opinion that there must be some way to spare Sif. People all over the place on board were convinced for the longest time that there was a way to spare this, this uh, boss and not have to kill it. Um, and even in the in the DLC um, they kind of spoke to that because you, you can meet up with Sif and you can free him and fight alongside him and if you do that before you then go and fight him in the in the main game it changes the cutscene uh, and he is even more reluctant to fight you than he was previously um, so I can completely understand why people wanted there to be a way not to have to kill this boss and believed so strongly in it that they, they grabbed a hold of any rumour that supported that um, and it, it just is the perfect uh, example of how uh, the game is, is toying with you and the social aspect of it feeds into the game and the game feeds back into it uh, in in these rumours uh, sort of being born uh, and, and living on a little bit through the game. Um, just wonderful moment. It, it really grabbed hold of All of, of that was
5: done without one word of dialogue.
2: From
1: from the character or from absolutely yeah, or from, from I'd like here. to just add one little bit under my little uh, spiel as well. Okay, uh, sorry. Apologies for the interruption, <laughs> Sean. You're some uh, you like the game? Yeah, games?
3: yeah, it's pretty good. Um, it, impossible to follow up both of you guys here, but it's. I'll keep it short. Um, it's amazing. Dark Souls is amazing. Demon Souls is amazing. Uh, these games, like I said earlier in the show, they've ruined rpgs for me i can't i can't play anything else i tried the witcher 2 got a couple hours in just couldn't it bored me nothing um skyrim same thing got a couple hours in turned it off i I can't play any other kind of medieval rpg um it's just there's nothing like it at all there's nothing like it and it's so rewarding and so many so few games have given me that sense of Satisfaction this generation and and just in general, like I said, you know this, these games are up in my top ten. Um, highly recommended. Ever go out, buy it new, play it, support these guys, keep this series going forever. As far as I'm concerned, so, yeah, <laughs> absolutely,
1: yeah. Excellent, well said. And uh, lastly, Paul,
5: um, I think Dark Souls and Demon Souls are two of the very best games to come out this generation. In fact. I think this entire generation is validated by the fact that these games exist. Um, I, I do think, I do genuinely believe um, Demon's Souls to be the best only because it came first and that uniqueness. You I'm know, when that,
2: thought was in the game. <laughs> yeah.
5: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, upon first playing that in the minute hours i put in, I, I, just, I was so happy that this game exists, that, that, that from software we're, we're Taking this design ethos and running with it, you know they were they were showing you where to go. They were ushering you in a direction, but they were never expressly telling you. Um, and the environments in this in both games, I don't want to keep lumping them in, but there are so many parallels. Uh, <coughs> worlds like the Valley of the Violent and um, even the Firelink Shrine. Firelink Shrine. Um, these worlds, to me, are so incredibly vibrant and they're like they're vital, you know, they're, they're lively even though they're completely devoid of any humanity. They are they are absolutely dripping with malice and it's unlike anything you'll ever experience. Anything you will have experienced to date. You know, so the very fact that these schemes exist, how unique, how, how bright they are, how phenomenal um is Something very, very special, and I think games could do well to learn from the design ethos of From Software. You know, they can take a leaf out of the book and say, We don't need to be overly easy, we don't need to hold the hands of the player, you know, we don't need to be overly obvious, we can be subversive, you know, they can be implicit, you know, they can, they can give the player a certain amount of respect, you know, some. Some time to drink in the world and stuff like that. Um, I'm being quite vague because you guys have summed up every other aspect. But to me, visually, aesthetically, and for a, a full kind of 3D world that you can visit, I think it's for me. It's, it's without nostalgia of like Silent Hill 2 and you know, early like SNES games, Secret of Mana. Those are my favorite games due to nostalgia. But right now. These are the games that are making the video game medium a valid um, form of expression for me they are they are that important and um, I genuinely can't wait for the hopefully people who are listening have played the game so I don't need to say you know pick this game up because um, we've just ruined it for them completely <laughs> but um, yeah I guess I guess that's me yeah. perfect games as far yeah. as I'm concerned. <laughs>
1: yeah i think the telling thing is that when you look at games this generation a lot of the a lot of the the general trend has been to try and remove the the game side of it you look at things like uncharted or dead space it, the the idea has been to somehow incorporate the the um artifice of the game uh into either what's on going on screen or just make it not necessary because the the hud and and the the numbers if you like you know that side of things peel back the 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 layers of the narrative and and maybe undermine it is is the way it's it's kind of the trend's gone is is to remove all of those things that could break the immersion and what I, what i love about um about dark souls and about demon souls is they're not afraid to have numbers on the screen they're not afraid to uh, have you go into a menu and have to really sort of dig deep and, and work out what all these numbers mean and what all your various different stats mean. And something like poise is is so nebulous, but you need to pay attention to it. Um, your equip burden, you've got to work out what the various stages of your encumbrance are. Um, and they're not afraid to have prompts on the screen and and have you go into this aspect of the game uh because they know that it actually fits with the narrative. It actually works and it's actually something you're going to want to do and it's not going to seem like it's somehow breaking the immersion or or uh, ruining the pacing or, or the tone of the story um, because the, the atmosphere uh, and, and the slow and steady pace that they are setting for you overrides any of that. It, it's not cheapened by... Having to go into a menu or having to swap a weapon or anything Absolutely. like that. Um, yeah,
2: yeah. It's also yeah. quite interesting that they make, uh, tell you to make a card at the start of the game, and then yeah. like your first time through it, you'll look nothing like that cutter for the majority of the time. Uh, your carter will actually look like a dried up pepperoni because you're dead all the time.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, you've you've very specifically chosen your hair color and your skin tone and how how uh, manly or, or feminine you look, uh, even as a male or female character. And yeah, you're absolutely right. Either because you've got a whacking great helmet on over your uh, covering your face, or because you you look like a prune, frankly. Um, you're yeah, you're not going to see what your character looks like, but you still know your character if that makes sense. You still you still feel. Your your character got as you said, Paul. It's so vague and so so ridiculous a way to try and pay a compliment to a game. But uh, no, I think it's um, I think it's important. And yeah, I I know sometimes uh, it's a little disappointing to go through a, a show and have all four or five or however many of us, us there are talking about a game be so positive. But I don't think many people who dislike Dark Souls or Demon Souls actually play through the whole thing. And so it kind of means that there's a, a camaraderie between those who do finish the the game, and uh, that's why maybe we've been a little bit more effusively positive than some people might have hoped to to hear us be. And remember, if um, you don't
2: like these games, my camps are always waiting. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> I
5: wouldn't be off yes. because now any issues that you have, you do you feel that like you do something wrong. I like bits you fall off of the world and and areas Mm -hmm. you explore too quickly or whatever. If you were to take a video of my playthroughs, I have done everything incorrectly from from picking the character Mm -hmm. to, you know, exploring and looking for spells to what weapons to build towards to what stats. I have done everything Mm -hmm. wrong. I've fought every boss incorrectly. like but you still persevere
1: because you love it. Uh, our summaries complete. Three word reviews are in the bag. It's time to round up and let you know that. Uh, the new list of uh, episodes to, to round off volume two are complete. That will take us through to at the end of September, which is the end of volume two, our 100th show at the end of this list. Um, From next week, you can play along with Cane and Rinse Volume 2 and listen to the shows. Coming up, we have, uh, before Last Light is released, Metro 2033 next week. Um, In lieu of the iPad release, which has been recently announced, announced, uh, XCOM Enemy Unknown. Uh, Following on from the recent reboot, we take a look at where the Tomb Raider series started with Uncharted Drake's Fortune. Uh, Then after that, Shin Megami Tensei Persona 4. Uh... We are going to be drinking some fine red wine and uh, smoking some very, very nice cigarettes as we talk Tale of Tales. Uh, we're going to be covering several of their games uh, at the moment, probably including The Path of the Graveyard, uh, Fatal Exploring Salome, and Bientol Laeti. Um Then we go back to Uncharted with Uncharted 2 Among Thieves, Driver San Francisco after that, then Castlevania Symphony of the Night. Uh, Uncharted 3 Drake's Deception rounds off our Uncharted series. Uh, then Fez. Aliens Colonial Marines, which is not on Wii U, also missing a U, Dishonored. Then Minecraft, and yes I was joking, I know Tomb Raider didn't start with Uncharted. We go back to Tomb Raider uh, for the 2013 reboot. El Shaddai Ascension of the Metatron after that, then DMC Devil May Cry, another reboot. Um, Deadly Premonition comes out Director's Cut fairly soon so get a hold of that and play play through it and you'll be able to listen to that show after that pick your poison uh, Starwing, Star Fox, Lilac Wars or Star Fox 64 depending upon your particular preference Uh, Tom Clancy's Splinter Cell Chaos Theory uh, Fahrenheit Dart are David de Gratola and Quantic Dream Double Game Bonanza yeah. Fahrenheit Indigo Prophecy, that show and then we'll come back to finish off our uh, our two game series if you like uh, for Quantic Dream uh, then we have Super Meat Boy L.A. Noir, Psychonauts and as mentioned to finish off show number 100 will be Heavy Rain uh, that's a long list you can find it all on the uh, blog and make sure you are up to speed with what you want to play and what you would prefer not to play in the case of some of those um, Darren?
2: Yeah, you should all take a look at our Quick runs videos via the blog or at the Kanan Runs YouTube channel. You can find us on Twitter at Kanan Runs or Facebook at facebook.com slash You can also sub- support us by subscribing, reviewing and or rating us on iTunes. So get to that and uh, make sure it's positive and say what a great guy that I am in particular.
1: Yeah. If in you fact, could mention Darren in fact, I'll be
2: actually, I'll be happy enough if you just don't call me a bastard, okay?
1: If you could mention Darren and say that he definitely didn't threaten you in order to get a positive review, that would be fantastic. No, you can leave that on um, as long as the rate is the same. <laughs> uh, you can check out the Cane and Rinse periodical, a uh, digital magazine collecting some of our uh, best articles and uh, videos and podcasts. Uh, you can also check out the and Rinse Minecraft server. You can join the Canaan Rinse community and have your say at canaanrince.com forward slash forum. Uh, there are links for all of these things uh, and more uh, uh, at Go there and get involved. Uh, thank you very much to Sean, Darren, and our special guest, ReadyUps Paul Rooney. Um, do you have any of your current work you'd like to plug, Paul?
5: Um... Yeah, sure. You'll you'll find most of the stuff that I write um, on ready-up.net There's lots of good people on there. There's a a kind of blog post every day, all from different themes. There's a few of them like issues of import, which deal with a lot of import games and stuff like that. And mine is called Super Arts. It's basically a take on looking at the art of video games, essentially. Whether it's a certain game or a series or, or an aspect particular uh, artist that I like who's working on games just now I've got a few of them on there actually so and there's one on um, there's one on Dark Souls Uh, if you like the podcast and you like the game then I would I would check that out because um, pretty much everything I've already said is on the article (laughs) so it's not (laughs) not really of course but um, go check out my stuff and see if you like it
1: yeah absolutely thank you very much for joining us and uh All that leaves me to say is thank you very much to you for listening and we will see you again next week. Thank you and good night.